street food called pestizi, pizza called fitiri, and a liqueur made from prickly pears. This week, we're on the Mediterranean island of Malta. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Malta's sun-drenched islands have long been a favorite of beach lovers in Europe, but the tiny country in the middle of the Mediterranean is still relatively unknown to North American travelers. While Malta has been occupied by everyone from the Romans to Napoleon's army, the Maltese have retained their own unique culture, including tasty food and beverages you can't get anywhere else. So, let's eat. What do eat? Hey... You gonna finish that? On Destination Eat Drink. There's lots more about Malta at DestinationEatDrink.com, including more fun things to do, places to eat and drink, and links to all the places we talk about in this episode, plus lots more places that we didn't have time to talk about. Later in the podcast, I'll be talking to Sasha Shumara. Sasha is the founder of Do You Even Tourist, a web series and website about living the good life in Malta as an expat from California. Malta has its own unique cuisine, but it's still relatively unknown outside of the islands. There's also a lot of Italian restaurants on Malta since Italy is so close by, but if you want to taste the real deal you need to check out authentic Maltese dishes. It seems every culture has some kind of meat or vegetable stuffed inside of dough, like dumplings from Asia, calzones from Italy, pasties from Wales, and Malta's entry in the category is something called a pastizi. That's phyllo dough. It's stuffed with ricotta cheese or mashed peas, and the ricotta one's my favorite. Then it's baked, and that's it. Nothing fancy. Pastizis are very tasty and cheap and usually cost less than a buck, and you get them at any bakery in Malta. But my favorite place to get a pastizi is at this restaurant called the Fontanella Tea Garden in Emdina. Now, the Fontanella Tea Garden is mostly well-known for their cakes, but I like going there and getting a pastizi out on their terrace. They have some of the best views in Malta. And I'll tell you more about Emdina later, but for now, just know that get your pastizi at Fontanella and go upstairs on the terrace and you'll enjoy a spectacular view. Malta also has extraordinary bread. The local bread is a sourdough. It's called Hobbs Tal Malti. And of course, every bakery has this kind of bread. But for some serious carb loading, you want to go to the town of Cormi, Q-O-R-M-I. They have to have more bakeries per capita than just about any place on the planet. Cormi's bread is so famous, in fact, they've got this bread festival every October. The Old Bakery, that's what it's called, the Old Bakery has been making bread for over 150 years. That should be your first stop. And then check out Emanuel's Bakery. They're new kids on the block. They've only been making bread for 50 years, but they definitely know what they're doing. Another place, Ninu the Artisan Baker, is in the capital of Valletta. And they make great bread, too. You should get the bread there. But they also make another typical Malta dish. It's called fitiri. 
Fettiri is kind of like pizza, but no tomato sauce. They've got plenty of mozzarella, olives, onions. Sardines are usually on fitira, and some have fancier ingredients like capers, too. And since the Maltese are such good bread makers, you know the fitiri is going to be amazing. So get fitiri. The place to go is Ninu, the artisan baker. The authentic pasta dish on Malta is called timpana. Timpana is a pasta like penne. It's put in a dish with tomato sauce, usually a bolognese-style meat sauce, sometimes a marinara, but usually a meat sauce, adding in some eggs, pecorino cheese, and for the real authentic timpani, they add in chicken liver. They then place a thin dough crust over the top, and it's baked in the oven. I'm telling you, the Maltese love their bread. So even in a pasta dish, they're going to put a dough crust on top. And that's what makes the timpana extra special. We can't talk about Maltese food without talking about rabbits. Malta doesn't really have a lot of space, so they don't have big cattle or pig farms. But rabbits plentiful. The Maltese trap rabbits often. And it's one of the most common forms of meat in the Maltese diet. Rabbit stew is so popular that it might as well be the national dish. It's rabbit cooked in tomato sauce with garlic and vegetables. And every Maltese restaurant worth its salt has rabbit stew on the menu. 1927 restaurant in St. Julian's is especially known for their version. Want to drink? I'll have another on Destination Eat Drink. Subscribe to the Destination Eat Drink podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or Spotify. Or you can get it at radiomisfits.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review it. Whenever I travel to a new country, I like to try the local beer. Now, I, when I say the local beer, of course I mean the craft beers and the microbrews, but I also like to get a taste of the locally brewed mass-produced beer, just to get a flavor of how it's different in the local culture. It's, it's not always good, that local brew, that mass-produced local brew. Sometimes it's quite bad. Consider this, uh, Bud Light is the most popular beer in the United States. But in Malta, they make a pretty good beer called Sisk. It's a lager-style beer, and it's available in pretty much any bar in Malta. And as far as macro beers go, it's not bad at all. They make several different kinds, too. You can get the regular Sisk lager, but I like looking for the Sisk Pilsner, which is a nice alternative. Malta also has a local soda called Kinney. After World War II, Coca-Cola was taking over the world with their drink, and Malta fought back. They started making their own brand of soda called Kinney. It's made with uh, local bittersweet oranges and herbs like anise, ginseng, and wormwood, which gives Kinney sort of a bittersweet flavor. Some call it an acquired taste. You can drink your Kinney straight from the bottle, or make a nice Kinney Kiss, which is a cocktail made with one part Kinney soda and two parts sparkling wine. A lot of times it's Prosecco. Italy's so close to Malta. There's also a cocktail called the Maltese Falcon. You, you knew someone had to come up with a drink called the Maltese Falcon. And this drink is Kinney mixed with vodka, orange juice, 
prickly pear syrup. And the secret ingredient, bajtra. Now, bajtra, B-A-J-T-R-A, is a liqueur made from distilled prickly pears. If you don't know, prickly pear is a cactus and it grows like a weed on Malta. A lot of people in Malta, a lot of farmers use it as a barrier to cordon off their land. Uh, The fruit itself is pink and delicious and it has these little prickly spines on it. So you have to prepare it properly before you eat the prickly pear. It's got a sweet, fruity flavor, kind of like cotton candy. Some people compare it to bubble gum. And in Malta, an enterprising family makes bajtra, which you can drink as an aperitif or mix it with chardonnay and lemonade for a cocktail that goes down way too easy. Now, no one's ever going to call Malta a winemaking powerhouse. There simply isn't enough land for masses and masses of vines. But there is a thriving wine industry on the tiny islands of Malta. And the reason you've never heard of Maltese wine is because almost all the wine in Malta is consumed in Malta. I've personally never seen a single bottle of Maltese wine in an American wine shop. But most restaurants in Malta will have a few bottles of local wine on their wine list. Chardonnay and Merlot are both grown on Malta, but if you visit, be sure and seek out the local grapes. Galuza is a red grape and Girantina is a white grape. And if you can't make it to Malta to check out some Maltese wine, check out this website, madeinmalta.com. That's the only place that I've ever seen that has Maltese wine available online. I've looked at the big wine online distributors, never seen Maltese wine. And as a bonus, madeinmalta.com also has the prickly pear liqueur, Batra, available. But beware, they're sending the bottles from Malta. If you're going to buy some bottles to be shipped, just know shipping costs can be very, very high. Things to do and places to see. I don't know. What do you want to do? On Destination Deep Drinks. If you have a question or a comment about anything you've heard on the podcast, you can contact me on Facebook at Destination Eat Drink, on Twitter at Eat Destination, or on the DestinationEatDrink.com website. Just click on About and Contact. Malta is in the middle of the Mediterranean, just south of Sicily, and because of its prime location, Malta has beautiful warm weather almost year-round. And because Malta is a set of islands, it attracts lots of beachgoers. Probably the most famous beach on Malta is the Blue Lagoon. It gets packed with tourists looking to take a dip in beautiful water. The problem is that the Blue Lagoon is on a tiny spit of sand, so there's never enough room for all the people who want to enjoy it. To see the Blue Lagoon, I suggest getting an early morning ferry to the island of Camino and staking out your spot on the beach. Enjoy some early morning time, and then when the throngs of humans inevitably arrive, pack up and explore the rest of the island. It's amazing to me how many people park themselves at the Blue Lagoon and completely ignore the rest of this beautiful island of Camino. 
Later on in the podcast, we'll be talking to Sasha Shumara, and she'll be telling us about some of her favorite beaches in Malta. Malta has an unbelievably rich history considering its tiny size. The islands have been conquered over and over again, starting with the Phoenicians and the Carthaginians, then the Romans, the Byzantines, the Arabs from North Africa, the Spanish, the French, and finally the British. But one of the most interesting times in Maltese history was the period of the Knights of St. John. The Knights were uh, crusaders who fought and built hospitals in Jerusalem, and they were granted Malta in 1530 in order to protect it from the invading Ottoman Empire. The Knights built fortifications and hospitals in Malta, and it's a good thing they did because in 1565, the Ottomans sent 40,000 soldiers to try and take over Malta. This became known as the Great Siege of Malta. Only 700 knights of St. John and 8,000 Maltese soldiers were on hand, and they were able to defeat the Ottomans, who never again seriously threatened the island. A lot of places made famous by the knights are still standing and open for tours in Malta, including the Sacra Infirmiara, that's a hospital, and the St. Elmo Fort, where the Knights defended Valletta against the Ottoman siege. Both sites are definitely worth seeing when you're in Malta. The other big event that shaped the history and psyche of Malta is the shipwreck of St. Paul. In 60 AD, the Apostle Paul was shipwrecked on a now uninhabited Maltese island, and he soon converted the Roman governor of Malta, Publius, to Christianity. According to legend, Paul cured Publius's father and several other locals of disease, and Publius soon converted to Christianity. The population of Malta followed, and Publius became the first bishop of Malta, and Malta became one of the first Christian countries. The Church of St. Paul in Emdina shows the importance of St. Paul to Malta, and there's incredible artwork inside, including the conversion of St. Paul and this amazing fresco, St. Paul's Shipwreck. You don't have to be religious to enjoy these wonderful pieces of art. Emdina is one of the big attractions on Malta, not just for the Church of St. Paul, but for lots of other reasons. The city has these winding streets that were designed to help defend it from invaders. And it's wonderful to wander Emdina after night because all the tourists have gone home. Uh, Malta is getting more and more cruise ship traffic. So during the day, there are cities that can become clogged with tourists. But at night, they're back on the cruise ship and you can enjoy Emdina pretty much to yourself. And speaking of tourists, uh, Malta has become a huge tourist hotspot for a new reason, the TV show Game of Thrones. The gates of Emdina were once used as King's Landing in the series, and several spots in Valletta were also used for the show. There's now a Game of Thrones tour that you can take that will take you to a bunch of places in Malta where Game of Thrones was shot, and it's hosted by a guy who acted briefly in season one of Game of Thrones. If you're a Game of Thrones buff, this is a must-do in Malta. Tips and inside information on Destination Eat and Drink. 
You can learn more about my fiction writing, some of which has to do with travel, especially my novel, Truffle Hunt. A good portion of that takes place in Istria, Croatia, and talks about Croatian and Italian culture, as well as truffles for the foodies. Uh, I also have a book of short stories called That Bird. Both the books are available on Amazon.com or at DestinationEatDrink.com. Just click on the About tab. Malta is a very small country, and if you're in Valletta or St. Julian's or one of the other popular tourist attraction towns, it can seem very, very crowded, especially during the summer. Do yourself a favor and for at least part of the trip, get to some of the smaller towns for a break from the crush. I recommend the island of Gozo. It's a part of Malta, but it's a separate island, and it's just a quick ferry ride away. Even the main city of Victoria never seems that crowded. But Malta has a quiet countryside. Organic farms, especially on Gozo, are becoming more and more popular, and a lot of them will double as bed and breakfasts. You can spend an awful lot of money chartering a boat to see Malta and to ride around the island. But for me, one of the best deals on the whole island is the local ferry. I told you about the ferry that runs from Malta to Gozo. That's a quick trip. There's also spectacular views of the Grand Harbor, and it only costs a couple of bucks. You take the ferry from Slaima to Valletta, and you get to the other side, and it's absolutely gorgeous. If you go at night, you'll get spectacular views of Valletta all lit up. Destination Eat Drink. Today we have a special guest, Sasha Shumara. Sasha is the founder of Do You Even Tourist on YouTube, on Instagram, and uh, doyoueventourist.com. It's a great lifestyle and travel video series. And Sasha, welcome to Destination Eat Drink. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here today. Thanks, Sasha. So you're originally from California, but now you live in Malta as an expat. Why Malta? Yeah, uh, it's funny. I always get asked that question. Um, Originally, I picked Malta basically from the map. Um, I was going, I wanted to live somewhere in Europe. Um, and I was going through places on Pinterest and Malta came up. It was all these old historic buildings. Um, and at first I couldn't even really believe that this place was real. Um, yeah, so I basically booked a, uh, a vacation there, um, and then just ended up staying. Oh, so you started as a vacationer and then said, I love this so much. I'm going to live here. Yeah, exactly. Um, I came for a summer holiday, um, and I just came in uh, for three months. And uh, during that three months, I ended up uh, finding a job, and just I've been here now three years. Three years, fantastic. And what is your job? What do you do for a living? I'm a web designer here. Oh, great! So you could literally do that anywhere you wanted to in the world, and you yeah. chose Malta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, it's a beautiful place to do it. Oh, uh, absolutely. So in between, you know, working on the screens, you can go take in the views of Valletta. Um, sometimes like on lunch break, we go out, um, to a nice vantage point, or even we can go to the sea and take a swim. Beautiful. Yeah. I love Malta. I mean, so sunny, so beautiful, but also so historic. You know, it's funny, Sasha, because you said, um, I went on vacation and I wanted to live there. And you hear that so often from people, they go to these beautiful places, they come back. And the first thing out of their mouth is, boy, I'd sure love to live there. But 
very few people ever do it. And I think the thing is, actually, vacationing in a place and living in a place are two completely different things. Um, what did you find to be the difference between being on vacation and actually living in a place? Yeah, it's true. A lot changed. So first, um, when I was in vacation mode on the island, you know, you see it through like rose tinted glasses. Um, and then when you start to live here as an expat, um, of course, then you have your normal everyday life. Um, you start to see it, you know, I almost see it like how I would be living back home. You know, I do my nine to five, um, and I really live, you know, just like a, a local here. Um, yeah, so, but it's still great. I still, especially when summer comes around, um, it's vacation mode all over again. <laughs> living, living <laughs> on the beach and by the water and, you know, yeah, that's the, the great thing about lifestyle. It's, it's so beautiful. There's so many cool little nooks and crannies in, in Malta. One of the things that I really love about your web series on YouTube is that you give the unvarnished truth about Malta. You know, it's okay. Here are the great things about Malta and there's tons of great things about Malta, but you also give the cons to living in Malta. Give us an example of some of the pros and the cons of living in Malta. <laughs> okay. So yeah, pros, the Mediterranean lifestyle. Um, it's really laid back. So even like coming to work, for instance, um, in general, like being 15 or even 20 minutes late is no problem here for like, <laughs> I've, I've noticed for any company, <laughs> I know that's really different in the U S it's like two minutes late. And there is a problem. Yeah, but where have you here, been? Like, <laughs> I'm not sure. That's what I've heard. <laughs> um, but yeah, here you can just kind of come in. It's very flexible, flexible hours, um, which is really nice. So, so I love that, you know, laid back uh, mentality. Um, the cons. Okay. So the biggest con always comes, uh, comes up for me is transport. So the island is not built for cars. It was built for horse and carriage. <laughs> so the streets are very tiny. So I think when you come here as a tourist, it's all very charming. You have these tiny runways. And then when you live here and you're driving around um, and you have to go to work in the morning, um, that's, you know, one thing that you, you don't realize at first. Um, but yeah, I try on my YouTube channel to, yeah, really just give the honest truth about living uh, in a country like Malta as an expat. Cause I think a lot of people see Malta and, um, could, you know, they, it's so romanticized living on an island in the Mediterranean. Um, but it's a very different lifestyle in the end and not a lot of people can adapt to it. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the transportation thing because when I was in Malta, I was like, man, this place is just jammed with cars. And I think I read somewhere there's more cars per capita in Malta than just about any other place on the planet. But the thing is, this is a good tip for people who are tourists. If you're going to Malta, you really have to plan ahead because there is public transportation. They do have buses, but there's no tram line. There's no quick subway. So the buses are on the same streets as the cars. The traffic can be really, really crowded and congested. And if you don't plan ahead, you can spend your whole day going from one site to another site to another site stuck in traffic. Yeah, it's very true. Um, actually, I would recommend taking um, – there's a new app here called Taxify, um, which is basically just like Uber – um, yeah, and that is the best way really to get around the island. And another uh, pro 
is, at least in my book, is that uh, English is one of the official languages of Malta. So the language barrier isn't nearly as rough as it is in some other countries. Almost every, I think I ran into one person who didn't speak English uh, when I visited Malta. Um, but Maltese is also the official language of Malta. Have you picked up any in your three years? Have you picked up any of the Maltese language since you've been there? <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to understand uh, quite a bit, actually. It's really interesting language. Um, it's mainly, I would, I think they say it's 70% Arabic. Um, and then the rest is Italian and English words that have been mixed in. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting language. It's very difficult to learn as well. Um, but yeah, I've, I've picked up some conversational Maltese, um, but for the most part, they do speak English around the island, so that's great. But I do try to, you know, say good morning, bonjour, um, and ciao, so that's the same as in Italian, for goodbye. Uh, Kefint, how are you? Kefinti, and um, I'm good, uh, Tayep. So Malta has so many great historical and cool places. Tell us some of your favorite places to go in Malta. I love going to Valletta and the three cities. That is beautiful. So that's definitely some of the most stunning architecture on the island. Um, you could spend a whole day in Valletta just getting lost down the little side streets and alleys. And then the three cities is the um, neighboring area, um, and it's just across from what they call the Grand Harbor. And you can actually take a small water taxi over uh, from Valletta to the three cities, and it's just a beautiful journey over. Um, and this whole area, you know, it's just it's surrounded with vast fortifications from the Knights of St. John, um, and then you'll have the crystal clear Mediterranean Sea. Um, yeah, it's, it's so beautiful. Any favorite beaches that you like to go to? I know a lot of Europeans go down to Malta to hit the beaches, especially in the summer, but um, some of them get really, really crowded. Where are some of your favorite places to go and hit hit the beach? Yeah, of course. Um, so in the north, I like the Armier Bays. They're called Little Armier Bays. Um, and at the very northern tip of Malta, um, you can see the island, or the, yeah, the little island of Camino from these three bays. Um, and they're more or less white sand beaches, um, and mainly locals are there. Um, other than that, I love swimming in Gozo. So there's Schlendi, um, and that, that's not a beach per se, but it's a beautiful little bay with these high cliffs and there's a sea cave over there. Um, and the water is just perfect. Now, of course, the name of the podcast is Destination Eat Drink. So let's talk Maltese food because a lot of people think, well, it's just Italian food, right? Well, Maltese cuisine is a unique thing unto itself, even though there is plenty of Italian restaurants. What are some of your favorite uh, places to go, some of your favorite restaurants, and maybe some of your favorite dishes in Malta? Yeah, so the first restaurant that always comes to mind is this restaurant called Red White. Um, it's in Rabat, which is near the historic uh, city of Imdina, um, which was actually featured in Game of Thrones, King's Landing. Right, right. Um, yeah, so we have Red White. It's in an old palazzo, Palazzo Castelletti. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. In the summer, they have the rooftop open, um, and you just look over the whole village of uh, Rabat, um, especially, you know, towards sunset. Like, the buildings are bathed in magic hour light. Um, and they do happy hour. Um, yeah. And then it's 
I would say contemporary uh, dining. So yeah, you have a lot of beautiful plated dishes, um, but it's all very affordable at the same time. So it's amazing. And you mentioned the the magic hour. I think what's one of the things that's really beautiful about Malta is the uh, pale limestone. And then when the sun goes down, you seem to get just a rainbow of colors uh, reflecting off of, especially in Valletta, but all over Malta, reflecting off the water, reflecting off of the uh, buildings. It's really stunning. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, magic hour on the island. I mean, any time of the day, really. Yeah, if you're by the coastline, um, back to food again. Um, there's so many great seafood options. Um, yeah, so anywhere in in uh, Gozo along the coast, like Marcel Forn or Jlendi, and just enjoying, you know, um, a whole fish by that sparkling turquoise sea. Yeah, so many colors, like you said. Beautiful. And what about uh, what about beverages? What are your favorite uh, either alcoholic or non-alcoholic drinks when you're in Malta? And where do you like to go and, and have a beverage? Um, I love wine, and there's a lot of great Maltese wines. Um, actually, one of the best things um, for people coming to Malta is during the summer, there's uh, two summer wine festivals, and these are set in Valletta. Um, and you are just in the the old fortifications, and there's live music, there's wine tasting. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Um, other than that, for drinks, um, there's some great seaside spots. Um there's a place in St. Julian's called Nar, and they have great cocktails. Um, that's just right by the sea in St. Julian's. It has a view of this beautiful church there. And St. Julian's is a fun place to go if you're with a big group of people. You know, it's kind of the party, one of the party central um, uh, cities in Malta. But it's still, I stayed in St. Julian's for a few days when we were there. And it's still a lot of fun. You know, you can go to all these bars and have cocktails and you're right on St. Julian's Bay. It's It's quite lovely. Yeah, it's kind of the hot spot for nightlife. And it's just, you know, it's just full of these great restaurants and places to drink. Um, it feels very lively, too, which is nice. So it's great for um, yeah, big groups or, you know, people looking to have a good time um, and be more into the not nightlife per se, but something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, now, when you're uh, you don't eat out every night, do you cook at home? And what are the what are the markets like for getting fresh ingredients in Malta? Oh, yeah, that's that's a good question. Um they have a lot of the farmers have these food trucks and they'll go around to um, every village with a, a vegetable truck. Um, so that'll usually be on like a Thursday morning, for instance. And that's uh, more or less a meeting spot for all the, the locals to come in the morning and have a chat about what's going on. And, um, yeah, you can just grab your uh, fresh vegetables there. And then there's the um, fisherman comes with his uh, fish truck and he will go to each village and you can buy the fresh fish of the day from him. Um, so it's great. All the food just comes right to you. You'll just hear it. Sometimes they will call on their megaphone. We have people with donuts <laughs> coming by. <laughs> fish donuts vegetables everything more or less comes to your door <laughs> so it's like a farmer's market but on but on four wheels yeah a mobile farmer's market oh awesome so if someone was thinking of relocating to malta like you did sasha what advice would you give to them um i would give them the advice first to come here um 
at least for a month to see if, you know, how they go. Um, try to, you know, see it, first of all, enjoy it as a tourist. Um, and then try to imagine yourself living here and really like the day to day. Um, and then otherwise, I found it best to talk to people face to face in Malta. You won't find a lot of information online about, you know, even like the visas or um, how to get residence or anything like that. So you just have to go talk to people face to face here. Um, just go straight to whatever building you need to go to. Just ask as many questions as you can. That's the best advice I can give, really. Just ask every question you can think of and talk to people face to face. And what about from a social perspective? You've been there for three years now. Did you find it easy or difficult to make friends? So to make friends in Malta, definitely you have to join some clubs. Um, yeah, I found it a bit difficult here, but um, so it's not as easy to make friends at work, for instance. Um, but if you go and pursue your hobbies, you know, join a tennis club or the local gym, you'll make friends that way. Um, everything is, yeah, there's, there's a club for everything, of course. So that's the best way really to make friends here in Malta. But, um, yeah, after you settle in a bit and get all your necessary things sorted, it's, it's definitely a good thing to prioritize, um, starting some friendships here and, um, yeah, pursuing your hobbies. That's a, that's a good point, Sasha, because I think in North America, a lot of us, when we go to work, this is what our social circle is. We go out, we go out for drinks or go after work with our work friends, and that tends to be uh, a lot of our social circle. In Malta and other European countries, it's not like that. You, you pursue friends through your other interests besides work. Yeah, that's, that's it. So basically, my colleagues at work that's all. We don't, we don't go for work drinks. Um, of course there's, you know, different companies have a different group of people, but from my experience, it's been that way that really that's not your social circle. You need to make your social circle. Um, yeah, outside of that. And you really have to, um, get yourself out there? I think this is all, this is all very interesting and it's making me want to go back to Malta again. I just, I loved my time there. It's such a beautiful place. And I felt like when we were in Malta, they're just, there's so many cool historic things and so many fun things to do that there just isn't enough time to see it all. Yeah, it's true. Um, you would think because it's they, it's such a small island, you would think you would be able to see everything, but there is so many things, hidden gems to discover um, in every little crevice of the island. It's just, I was just telling someone today, you know, you can't even escape history here. It's literally left, right, and center. You have, you know, old Ro Roman ruins over here. You have a medieval fortress over here, World War II. Um, old uh, pillboxes over here, as they called them, different um, forts. Um, and then, yeah, just endless beaches and coastline to discover. You know, you could just you, you could just have fun just going out to eat every day. I mean, that's one of my hobbies. Every weekend, I just like to pick a new restaurant. And there's always something new to try. Always something new to try. Always some great ambiance, you know. I never get sick of it. Well, you can uh, check out Sasha's videos on YouTube under Do You Even Tourist. You can check her out on Instagram and also check out her website, doyoueventourist.com. Some great stuff on all those places. Sasha, thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy your time in Malta. Thanks, Brent. You know what? Good for Sasha. 
She wanted to move to Malta. She figured out a way to make it happen. And now she's an expat living the good life in the middle of the Mediterranean. Thanks to Sasha for being on this week's Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. Join me next week for another great foodie destination. We drop a new episode each and every Friday. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Ed Silla and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.